them with me um, to a passage in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 30. So 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 Samuel chapter 2. And I'm going to put this verse on the screen, but if, um, if you're not familiar with this verse, I'd, I would encourage you to uh, open your Bible to it, even perhaps mark it or highlight it in, in some way. It's, it's a very important verse, just like all the other verses in the Bible are important and serve a, a, a purpose. But we find in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30 a principle that we see from Genesis throughout the Word of God, but it's stated here and, and summarized here concisely um, and really more concisely and more directly than uh, perhaps we see any other place um, in the scriptures. And so let's start with that, and then I'm going to do a little bit of review from last week, and then, and then we'll come back to this verse. But 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30, it says, Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, so this is God speaking now. Anytime God's speaking, we need to listen up. Amen. God says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now, the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Now, this word despise, and before I do the brief review, let me um, me just go ahead and tell you, despise does not mean in the Bible necessarily what we may mean when we use that word, okay? I despise collard greens. That, That means what we hate them we 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 don't want anything to do with them and so when you see um you know this word used in the context of a person or god or something that god has instructed people to do or has asked or has made his desires known in that area and people despised it 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 doesn't it doesn't mean a bitter hatred It, it, it would almost be better if it did because sometimes if we go to that extreme we realize hey what's wrong here But this word simply means to treat something lightly or to treat it casually, to to not recognize it for the significance and the importance that it it actually carries along with it. And so when God says those who despise me, he's talking about people who treat him lightly, who, who lightly value him, who lightly esteem him. And so his word is, if you lightly esteem or value him, he will lightly esteem or value you. Now, I know probably a lot of questions now popping up in people's hearts and minds. Just hold on to those for a second. We're going to come back, and the Holy Spirit's going to help us, hopefully, in the things that we have to say from this point forward, answer some of the questions that you may have. I know one of the first ones is, but Pastor Mark, that's Old Testament, right? It is Old Testament, but it's still a universal truth. In other words, it, it was true before the old covenant uh, in the Garden of Eden, and, it, and it'll be true at the end of the book of Revelation, and it'll be true a thousand years from now, uh, one day when we're on the other side. Now, we have been talking about worship here at Heritage for several weeks now. Um, that has been burning in my heart, and, and it's not always the case, but it just worked out to be, um, you know, coincide with some things that I've been teaching in the mornings, uh, in the morning classes. And worship is such, a, such an important part of our lives and, and, and what it actually means and 
we often think of worship as something we do in a building with a steeple on top or something we do on a Sunday morning. Or, and, and, we, and a lot of people have a wrong idea about what worship really is. And we've dug into all that. I'm not going to try to rehash all those things. But um, at the heart of worship is respect. It's, it's not about you feeling something. It's, it's more about you causing God to feel something. It's, it's not about what you get out of the experience. It's about, it's about what you put into the experience that becomes meaningful to, uh, to God when you uh, worship Him. And we've looked at it a few different ways, but one of the fundamental things that I think and most important things that we can ever understand about worship is worship is, is properly responding to God, right, uh, and, and, and recognizing who he is, uh, but also uh, who you are in respect to him. It's not enough for you just to say, you know, God's great, God's good, you know, let us thank him for our food, our food you know, that kind of thing. That, I mean, obviously we recognize the greatness of God, but recognizing the greatness of God alone is, is not worship. It's when you recognize his greatness and then your greatness in respect to his greatness. Okay, it's, it's when you understand and recognize who you are in relationship to, in respect to who he is. And so, you know, building upon that, we see then that anything we do in life with that attitude, recognizing who he is, who we are in respect to him, can become worship. Your daily work um, on your job can be worship. That's why the Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do. Do it heartily, not as unto men, but as unto the Lord. So when you recognize that fruitfulness and productivity and making a difference and, and, and the works of your hands and, and doing it to the best of your ability, um, not so you get patted on the back or not because somebody will say, wow, you did a great job. I mean, obviously those things are, are nice if, if we receive those things. But our fun, our, the fundamental purpose in our heart is that, is that we're doing this as unto the Lord. And anything that we do as unto him with that kind of attitude is worship. It's not just standing in a, in, a, in a church building with your hands raised and singing a song to him. There are a lot of people who are doing that this morning, but they're not worshiping God, right? <laughs> they may look like they're worshiping him, but if they do not have the attitude right, then it's not true worship. And so we have looked at in a couple of different places um, in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, and then, and then in Luke, and, and also in Matthew, um, where there is a such thing as a true worshiper. And if there's a true worshiper, then that means there's someone who is not a true worshiper. And, and the opposite of a true worshiper, the biblical words, would be someone who worships God in vain. Someone who worships God in vain. So if you're doing something in vain, that means it's not, it's not producing the result that you're hoping or desiring for it to produce. It's not making the, the difference that you're wanting it to make. It's not having the impact or, or bringing the solution that you're hoping it will bring. So Jesus said this. He said that people draw near to him with their, uh, their, 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 their lips. They honor, them with, they honor him with what they say out of their mouths but that their hearts are far from him and that this is, uh, that, that, that in vain they worship him. They think they're, you know, it's all about them, it's all about what they're doing. But in John 4, he said that Father is looking for true worshipers. Amen. Now, we could spend a whole sermon just 
on the different times in the scriptures where Father God has been looking for someone to fill a certain bill. Amen. Um, let me just say that for you to be the answer to that which Father God is searching for, it's you, that's a good spot to be in life. Okay. In other words, if he's looking for true worshipers, you want him to find that in you and in me. Amen. It, it's, it's, it's a hugely important and, and difference-making uh, part of um, our lives. And so that brings us then to a couple of questions. What is a true worshiper, right? And, and so that's one of the questions that we've been uh, wanting to answer. We need to know exactly what that looks like and what that is, okay? And so I'll put it up on the screen. I've already mentioned it in the review. But worship is your proper response to God based upon who he is and who you are in respect to him then we could say this, the heart of worship is respect for God and the resulting flow of adoration to him. In other words, it, it, it has to begin with respect and then become an extension of that respect. In other words, we're doing it out of respect, amen, um, not whether we feel like it or not, but because of the respect that we have for him. Now, the next, the next question that's connected with all of this, and maybe we'll spend some more time on the first one, but the, other, the, the next question, and I think this one is, is also very important, is why is Father looking for true worshipers? In other words, we know that he's looking for them according to the scriptures, right? Jesus said, my Father in heaven is looking for true worshipers. He's seeking for true worshipers. So the question then is, why is he looking for true worshipers? I put down a ridiculous answer here to make a point, right? Is he looking for true worshipers because he's insecure and needs a lot of people to constantly tell him how great and wonderful he is? Is that the answer here? I mean, does God need somebody 24 hours a day, seven days a week, telling him that he's great and he's awesome and he's good and, and he's powerful and he's all that in a bag of chips? It, I mean, is, is, is God like going to have some kind of inferiority complex if he doesn't have a few million people a day? patting him on the back. Is that, is that what true worship is all about? I mean, I'm being ridiculous here for a, for, for a point. Absolutely not. My friend, Father God was perfectly content for eons and eons of time before any of us ever existed. He is very secure in who he is. This is why, as, as Brother Donald Ballard said this week, uh, tell, it, tell it, tell the world, that Father is generous with his glory. He crowns us with glory. Jesus said, the same glory that my Father has given me I now give to you. Amen. See, we all, we're always afraid that somebody's going to get the credit for something we did or blah, 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 you know. And, and, and see, that's insecurity on our part. God is not insecure, my friend. He, he is very secure in who he is. Amen. He wants you to become secure in who he is so you can be secure in who he made you to be. So is it because he's insecure and he needs a lot of people to constantly tell him how great and wonderful he is? Absolutely not. Father is looking for true worshipers because only those who know who they are in respect to who he is can fulfill, can fulfill his destiny for their lives. Are you following me? In other words, if, if, if you refuse to acknowledge who God is and if you refuse to acknowledge who he created you to be, this makes it very difficult, if not impossible, for Father God to do in and through and with your life what he desires and ultimately created you to do, be, and become. Which brings us now to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse, verse number 30. And, and if a true worshiper does anything, a true worshiper honors God. Okay, And so I want to talk a little bit to you this morning about honor. 
Because honor in life in general is, is extremely, extremely important. God created us to be honorable people. And, and when we talk about honor and we, and we talk about you know, what that looks like and what that means, um, it, it covers every area and aspect of our lives, okay? Um, you know, we, we honor uh, our elders, honor your father and your mother. It's first great commandment, first commandment with a, with a promise, right? He says, honor your father and your mother uh, that it may be well with you and that you may have long life, amen. So honoring our elders, honoring uh, people, the Bible says to give honor to whom honor is due. We'll be honoring our mothers uh, next uh, Sunday. Um, don't wait till next Sunday to honor your mother. Amen. It's something we should do on a daily basis, but, but it's also good to have a, a day set aside uh, to give specific honor uh, and, and recognition to those in our lives who have made such a difference in our lives. But a true worshiper is someone who honors God. Now, we find this verse in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. And in this verse, th- this is, uh, if I could just break it down for you real simple, okay? God is saying, I will honor those who honor me. Now, without doing a whole elaborate, intensive explanation here, there are a lot of people who have feelings in their heart for God but they have no genuine respect for him. So when we're talking about honoring God, we're not just talking about something that we feel or even something that we say. Honor may move you emotionally. Honor may, may motivate you to say uh, you, you know, encouraging words of honor to another person or to God. But true honor is expressed in something much greater than feelings, emotions, or even words that we speak. Remember what Jesus said, why do they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me? We said it this way, why, why do we talk about God having a special place in our hearts, but we do not respect him enough to do what he says? So honor is expressed in our actions, right? So philo is the Greek word for fond feelings in our hearts and and philo without agape for the lord agape is when is this love that's expressed through respect for him philo without agape feelings without respect for the lord will deceive you into thinking grace from god makes honor for god no longer necessary right are you are you following what i'm saying what is grace great grace is god's undeserved unearned unmerited favor and we live in the days of grace. Our covenant is a covenant of grace. Amen. Grace, God's grace has given you everything that, that you will ever need in life and then some. Okay? And we access all that he's given to us by faith. But as we begin to learn and understand the grace of God and what the grace of God means for us, if we're not careful, our, our fond affectionate feelings for God will deceive us into thinking that somehow honor is no longer necessary. And my friend, that is a trap from the devil that we need to be aware of. So God said it in the Old Testament. He said it in the, in the Garden of Eden, and we see it all throughout Scripture, okay, in one form or another, that he honors those who honor him. God will honor those who honor him. And let me just go ahead and tell you, 
you want to live a life that God honors. You, you want the honor. Even if, you don't, even if these words are, are somewhat foreign to you, let me just go ahead and tell you, you want the honor of God on your life. And the way you experience and enjoy the honor of God on your life is by becoming a man or a woman who honors God because God honors those who honor Him. Now, here's the question. Thank you for that amen. Amen. Looking for them this morning, trying to find them. Amen. It just tells me I'm connecting with you, and I want to connect with you. This is so important. So let me, let's, I'm just going to kind of give you some questions. Questions help us think, okay? Here, here's, here's the question. Does God honor everyone, and if so, does he honor everyone the same? Does God honor everyone, and if so, does he honor everyone the same? Now, now see, here is where... Here's where Philo will trip you up, okay? Because, you know, we want to kind of bow up and say, man, God loves everybody, Pastor Martin. The Bible's very clear about it. God loves everybody. You're exactly right. God so loved the world that he gave the greatest gift that could ever be given, the most expensive gift that has ever been or ever will be given to humankind or any other kind for that matter. When he loved us so much that he gave us his son. But God loving you and God honoring you are not the same thing. This, this is, again, where, where fond, affectionate feelings for the Lord in our, in our hearts will deceive us into thinking, you know, man, God loves me. He's done all this for me. He's given all this to me. He's blessed me with all these things and so forth and so on. And so somehow now me living a life that honors God on a daily basis somehow doesn't matter anymore because, after all, we're under grace. We're under the blood. I've been, my sins have been taken away. Again, that would be a, a very deceptive way to understand all of this. Because love and honor are not the same thing. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of people who, who love God, philo God, but they don't honor him. They don't honor him. So, so we, 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 could, we could reverse the question, you know. I mean, you know, loving God and, and, and having a love for God is not the same as honoring him. And God having a love for you is not the same as him honoring you. God loves everyone, but he only honors those. Come on now. He only honors those who honor him. And he does not honor everyone the same. The more you honor God, the more he is. And here's a very important word. The more you honor God, the more he is able to honor you. The more he is able to honor you. Because here, here's the beautiful thing. And we're going to see this in just, in just a moment in the scriptures. But here's, here's the beautiful thing. Are you ready? God wants to honor you. His heart and his desire is to honor you. He wants to honor you. He wants to promote you. He wants to exalt you. He wants to lift you up. He wants to put you in a position of, of, of overwhelming success and victory in, in your life experience. He desires deeply and greatly to honor you. This is why I back this question. Why is God looking for true worshipers? Because a true worshiper honors God. And those who honor God, God is able to honor. God wants to honor you, but he cannot honor people who refuse to worship him. Now, now, what happens with this is, and, and we'll get to this in a moment, we, because of our indoctrination into a 50-50 approach to, to life and relationships, do you understand 50-50 approach, win-win? Y'all understand what I mean by that? I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. I'll do this for you, so you do this for me. And now that I've done something for you, you owe me one, and we'll settle it later. You can pay me back later by doing something for me since I've done something for you. And, th and this, is, this is sadly 
the, the, the foundation and the basis for so many people's relationships, even marital relationships, right? It's, it's like we're always trying to gain the upper hand. Now she owes me because I did this. I, I helped her. I washed the dishes. So now she, again, it's this whole give and take, keep score, scratch your back, you scratch mine. And, and what happens is this carries over into our understanding of a relationship with God. And, and, and so it's like, okay, so I get it already. We worship God a little bit. I'll do this for him, and so now he can do something for me. My friend, you, you are so confused as to how this works if you think that's what God means by this, and that's what he's looking for. He's already freely given you all things. There's nothing you can do to earn anything from him. He will never owe you a single red penny, amen, but he has freely given you everything. Quit trying to put him in your debt by doing good and being good because you've been good enough long enough. Now God owes you something. My friend, that's, he is not on a win-win basis for you. He's already won it all for you. He's already won every battle you'll ever fight. He's already defeated every enemy you'll ever face. He's already won everything you will ever need in life for you and has given it to you. You can't win something from him by, by winning something for him. It's not how this works comes back to the attitude of your heart. This may come as a shock to you. But do you know the Bible teaches that God does not accept every gift or offering brought to him? Now that's a maybe a sermon series in and of itself, but you know, we, we just think because, you know, we, we you know, bring God something that he just automatically accepts it. It's not the case. It's not the case. I've been led by the Spirit to tell you over and over again this year and end of last year, if the gift doesn't mean anything to you, don't expect it to mean anything to God. So we, you know, we... We expect something that means nothing to us to all of a sudden be the greatest thing he's ever been given. It, 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 it simply doesn't work that way. You see, um, my parents are, are, mom and dad, they, they are so blessed and, and um, I mean, for years had two homes full of stuff. And, and um, I mean, it's like we, we, us kids almost have to like hear from God to, to know something to give them that they don't have need you, you, you know, I mean they, they just again they're so blessed and 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 if you think they're blessed have you ever stopped to consider how blessed God is I mean you, you know you 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 ask you ask the question you know what what can you give someone who has everything well in God's case he he literally has everything and if he didn't had it if he if he doesn't have it and wanted it he can just say a few words and create it so how, how do you give him something that is meaningful to him? It's not the gift. It's not the size of the gift so much as it is the heart from which it's given that makes it either a gift that honors him or a gift that's given in vain. You remember the widow, Jesus was watching as people came into the temple and were giving their gifts. And, and Jesus was watching as they gave. And there were people who came in with just huge chests full of money and dumped them out, you know, making this big scene. And there was this one little lady who, who slipped up there and she dropped in 
um, just the, the, the simplest, meagerest of, of, of coin. And Jesus said, guys, did y'all see that right there? He nudged his disciples. He says, he says, guys, did you see that right there? He said, that lady just gave more than them all. And they're like, no, 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 Jesus. I, I, I've seen offerings come in here today that, that have been, you know, it's going to take somebody a long time to count, right? And Jesus said, no, no, see, she gave all that she had. Now, think about it. See, and, and this is an underlying theme of ours and has been now for uh, over a year, okay? When she was giving to God everything that she had, what was she saying? She's saying, I'm trusting you, sir. This, this little bit I've got ain't going to get me where I need to go, so I'm going to trust you and, and give you all that I have. So worshiping God in spirit and in truth, as Jesus told the woman at the well, is not about a place or a ritual. It's about honoring him from our hearts with our lives. Now let me give you, can we learn some stuff this morning? Is everybody okay? Y'all still with me? Let's, let's look at here, all right? Um, God, think about this now for a moment. God will not honor right actions from a wrong heart. God will not honor right actions from a wrong heart. So anticipating the questions that you may have, let me try to give you a scenario. Let's say um, someone gives a large offering. Okay? Giving any offering to God is a right action. I mean, when we take from the first fruits of our increase, when we take from our substance and, 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 and give it to God, that's a right action. Okay, But what if the person who gives that large offering does so out of pride and only to impress people? See, that was a right action, but it was given from a wrong heart. Are you seeing this? A right action, but given from a wrong heart. My friend, that offering is in vain. Okay? Now, giving is a right action, but giving in pride is obviously from a heart that does not honor God. But now, here is the, here is the thing, and I got a lot of stuff I want to try to give to you this morning so you can take it with you. But here, here is really, I think, I guess if we could say a, a, a bottom line, this is the one part in all of this that I want you to see and understand, I think, the most, okay? All right? So watch this. Is God just being stubborn by not honoring a right action from a wrong heart? I offer to you this morning, absolutely not. Because if God honors a gift given from a motive of pride, he would be approving of and even endorsing that man's pride. He would be saying it's okay to give from a heart filled with pride. Full, full of pride, filled with pride. It's okay to do this right action for the wrong reason. It's, it's okay as long as you give. I mean, after all, Lord knows we need the money. <laughs> you, you, you follow what I'm saying, right? Well, you know, I mean, I just, okay, whatever. Thank you for the gift. We'll, we'll get somebody helped with it. Okay, that's, that's all right. You, you, you go and be, no, no. See, God is not going, because it's not about the money. 
God can go get money out of a fish's mouth if he, if he needs money. It's not about the money. It's about the man's heart. And for God to honor someone who gives something to him from a wrong heart would be for God to endorse what's going on in that man's heart and what can pride in a man's heart do to that man. Pride in that man's heart can destroy that man. Pride in that man's heart can kill that man. As a matter of fact, pride in that man's heart will cause God to resist that man. Are you seeing this? So it's not like this whole give and take, win, win, scratch my back, I scratch yours. Oh, you're not going to worship me? Well, I'm not going to honor you then. That's not what it's about. It's about God being able to honor you. It's about God being able to, to uh, show his uh, acceptance and, and appreciation and esteem uh, for you. Now, in the time that we have remaining, I want us to talk about Two folks early, early in the Bible that really provide examples for us of both true worship and vain worship, right? And, and those examples are the examples of Cain and Abel. Let's go to Genesis chapter 4 now and verse number 1. Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 1. Thank you, Jesus. You get anything out of this? So why, why can God not honor a right action from a wrong heart? It's because he can't, he can't endorse the heart, right? He, he can't say, you know, it's, it's okay for you to do this. Let, let, me, let me say it another way. Father God is not going to participate with you in your dysfunction. Or let me, let me kind of bring it a little closer to home, Okay. He is not going to become a codependent with you in your dysfunction. He's not going to, uh, to, 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 to stroke your ego and say, wow, you sure did give a lot of money today, honey. I, I, I tell you, that, that was really big of you because I know you'd rather you know, buy you a bigger boat or you'd rather you know, go get you another motorcycle or something, and, and yet you brought that money to me and and, and uh, I, I know, you're, you know your heart really wasn't right towards me, but man, thank you. You sure, look, you sure made us look good today. See, no, he, he, he's not doing that. Because he's, he's more interested in you and your heart being right before him so he can bless, increase, prosper, and honor you than whatever it is you or I may be able to give to him or do for him. All right, so Genesis chapter 4 in verse number 1. It says, now... Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground, so a shepherd and a farmer. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. 
So a story that I'm sure uh, most of us are familiar with, and when I say story, let me just remind you, a, hi- a historical account, all right? Okay, this isn't just based on true events. This is, these are the events. This is how it went down, okay? And so we see that the Lord, let's start here. The Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Sometimes the sequence in which you present things are very important. I, I put this later down in my notes, but let me, let me come back to it right now because I feel like some of you need to have this cleared up, okay? So before we go any further, matter of fact, let me just go on down and I'll find the verse. Here we go, right here. Here, here is the answer. A lot of people think, well, um, God didn't accept the fruits and vegetables because it wasn't of blood. It wasn't a blood sacrifice. Well, if you look at the scriptures, you see that fruits, vegetables, grain offerings, all of these things are acceptable to God. So let the Bible, here's a really important takeaway for you, let the Bible interpret the Bible. In other words, if you find something in the Bible that you don't understand, find other places in the Bible that talk about it to shed light on what you may not understand. And I'll tell you where you'll see this a lot, and we talk about this in great detail in discipleship class, is a lot of times in the Old Testament we see things, and and, and if we try to take those things without looking at them in light of the New Testament, we're, we're, we're bound to get off track in, in, in our understanding. And so when we see that God did not accept or have respect for Cain and his offering, but he did have respect for Abel and his offering, we go to the New Testament and find out why. Hebrews 11, chapter 4, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. So to clear this up, and then we'll go back and and we'll wrap it up and make a few more comments. But to be clear, Abel's offering was an offering of excellence. It had nothing to do with it being a, a blood offering and Cain's being a fruits and vegetable offering. It had to do, again, with the attitude of the heart from which it was offered. Now, what we see in a couple of verses down from here in Hebrews eleven six, that without faith it's impossible to please God. So because Abel's offering was an offering of excellence, it by default was an offering given by faith. Meaning what? Meaning he gave God an offering that communicated in a tangible way his trust in and dependence upon God. He gave God of the very best of his flocks. Now we see by default that Cain did the opposite. Cain did not give an offering to God that communicated his complete trust and faith and dependence upon God, but instead he gave God not an offering of excellence, not of the very best of the fruits and vegetables of his, uh, of his harvest, but he gave God that stuff that's, maybe you call it day old, like if you go to the produce store and, it, and the bananas are already you know, like too black even for banana bread, or you know, it's, it's, it's the, the apples that have the worms in them, 
or, or the big bruises and they try to hide them around other pretty apples. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, Cain gave God the fruit of his ground, but he did not give him the first. He did not give him the highest. He did not give him the best. Right? Now, there's a deeper understanding here. Why would Cain have kept his best fruits and vegetables for himself? Because any farmer knows you want the best fruits, the biggest and sweetest watermelons. You want to keep those seed to plant next year. The ones that barely produce, the ones that produce the little tomatoes that, that you know, are, are, are you know, uh, in other words, I know sometimes little tomatoes are, are done intentionally, but I'm talking about th- that are not as juicy, that are not as beautiful, that are not as tasty, right? Those are the ones you want to cull those seeds and you want to take the, the, the absolute best fruit and, and instead of giving it to God, we, we, we want to first of all enjoy it, but we want to save those seeds to plant them next year. The same with a shepherd. A shepherd doesn't cut the throat of its healthiest um, uh, sheep or goat. He turns that sheep or goat into the sire. He wants to father other sheep and goat from the stock and the bloodline and the, and the, and the DNA and the seed of that animal, right? But notice what Abel did. Abel did not say, you know what, I'm going to keep this strongest and best and, and, and most beautiful and perfect sheep uh, to reproduce, but I'm going to cut the throat of this one and give it to God because I'm not going to depend upon my own ability and intellect to be a successful shepherd. I'm not going to use the conventional wisdom of the world to try to make myself prosperous and sustain me and my family. I'm going to cut the throat of my best sheep and give it to God because I'm honoring God as the source of my blessing and favor now and whatever may come in the future. Cain's attitude was just the opposite. So what is Cain doing? Cain is saying, I'm not going to trust in God. So remember, if you're not trusting God, you're going to have to trust something or somebody. What was Cain actually communicating to God? I'm not trusting you, God, for my increase. I'm trusting myself. I'm trusting what I know about farming. I'm trusting my own understanding and wisdom here. I'm going to do what I think is best instead of what you have said is best. What does Jeremiah 17 tell us about the man who puts his trust in man? Cursed is the man who takes his trust away from God and puts it in himself. So what Cain is doing here, whether, see again, we just look at this and think, meanie old God wouldn't take it because it had a bruise on the apple. You know, being so ugly to, to Cain. Come on God, where's your tolerance? Right? We're, 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 why do you have such high expectations? Give him a break, God. Come on. No, no, see, God's like, no, no. There's something in this man's heart that will curse him. There's something in his heart. He's put his trust in himself, and, and he does not have what it takes to sustain himself. He will never make it in life. His family will never make it in life and never experience all that I have for him to experience if he's taken his trust away from me and put it in himself. I cannot endorse that. Do you see? Do you see what he's saying here? All right. Oh, sweet Jesus. So, the Lord respected Abel in his offering. He did not respect Cain in his offering. So, what does it mean to respect? To respect means to look on with approval, high regard, and appreciation. I had one of those light bulb 
You understand what I mean when I say duh moments? I had one of those duh moments this morning. As many times as I've read this, as many times as I've preached from this, taught from this, this is the first time that I really saw what he's saying here. I've always, even though I've said it, I've always thought in my mind as I was saying it that the Lord accepted Abel's offering, that he had respect for Abel's offering. That's not what it says. What does it say? It says that the Lord respected Abel and his offering. That's different than just he respected what he did. It's not that, matter of fact, we can say it this way. The only reason that God was able to respect what he did, right, was because he respected the heart from which he did it. He respected the action because he respected the heart from which the action came. Which means what? He didn't just look upon his offering with approval. He didn't just look upon his his offering with high regard. He didn't just appreciate his offering. He appreciated Abel. He appreciated and held Abel in high regard. He didn't just approve of the offering. He approved of Abel. My friend, listen to me. You want God's approval on your life. You want his honor, his appreciation, his high regard of you. Well, why is that? It's because Abel's offering expressed his high regard and appreciation for the Lord. Abel's offering was a reflection of his heart towards God and his trust in him. The Lord did not respect Cain even though, listen to me now, he didn't respect Cain or his offering even though he clearly loved Cain. Cain's offering did not reflect the proper respect and appreciation for God, nor did it reflect his trust in God, but instead it reflected his trust in himself. But now we see Father God does what? He puts on his coach's hat. This is how we know he loved Cain. He didn't just say, well, done with you, buddy. If that's the best you can do, just get on out of here. No. Now... He comes to Cain to, to coach him. And, and, and he says, if, um, well, let's, let, let's look at the emotional effect. Verse 5, it says that, that, um, that Cain was angry and his countenance fell. What does this mean? He was, obviously, we see later, he was violently angry. And horribly depressed at the same time. Now, we see these are two of the most dominant negative emotions in our world today, do we not? The anger and the depression. I'm not trying to get a laugh out of you when I say this. What we have right here is the first case of bipolar disorder in, in humankind. He is at opposite ends of the spectrum at the same time, bouncing back and forth between the two. I picture Father God with his arm around him talking to him. And he asks him, he says, son, why, why are you angry? Why, why, why are you so depressed? Now notice what he says. This is what the Lord says to him. He said, if you do well, will you not be accepted? In other words, God said, I'm not, I'm not playing favorites here. And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. But you, listen... You can overcome this. You can bounce back from this. Of course, we know what happened. So let's look at this phrase. If you do well, will you not be accepted? Let me tell you what doing well means. It simply means doing 
what you know is right and pleasing. So what does that tell us? That tells us that Cain did not do this in ignorance. Cain knew. That's why the Lord is basically saying to him, look, you're all angry and you're all upset and, and, and you're contemplating all these crazy things that sin and, and all you got to do is do what you know to do and you will be honored by me. Accepted means to be honored, to be exalted. So the Lord is trying to coach Cain. He's saying no need for all this anger and depression. Just do what you know. Do what you know to do and you will be honored. But of course we see that Cain chose the other approach. So this is what honor does in our heart. John Mark, are you going to sing for us this morning? Come on, buddy. Amen. Honor bridges the gap between what's in your heart and what you actually do. You can have fond, affectionate feelings in your heart for the Lord, okay? But when it actually becomes honor is when it goes from something in your heart to something that becomes an, an, an outward, tangible expression. It's, it's some form of action, right? So he honored Abel and his offering because what was in Abel's heart, fond affectionate feelings, right? Been very... It'd been very easy for him to just talk about, oh Lord, I love you. I trust you enough, God, that if that if you if you needed me to, I'd I'd cut that best sheep's throat if, and and give it to you as an offering. But look, I know you you got all the sheep you need, God. So no need me doing that. But no, so so is that honoring God just to tell him what you would do, how you're gonna, right? You understand what I'm saying? If I'd had more time this morning, let me tell you what we would have got into. See, philo for the Lord without agape for him will have you put heavy heavy emphasis on this statement: the Lord knows my heart. The Lord knows my heart. You know, I don't ever go to church, but the Lord knows my heart. Well, you know, I mean, I, 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 I really probably should give the Lord, you know, a little of my money every now and then. But look, I mean, he knows my heart. You realize that you're actually quoting Simon Peter, right? Lord, you know my heart. Well, the reality of it is the Lord knows your heart. He's trying to get you to know your heart. The Lord knew Peter's heart better than Peter knew his heart. The Lord knew Peter's heart. Peter didn't know his heart, but thought he did. So see, honor, again, this is philo without agape, will deceive you into thinking that grace makes honor for the Lord no longer necessary. Wrong, 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 thousand times wrong. Okay. Does the Lord know your heart? Yes. And honor will bridge the gap between feelings that you have in your heart for him, right, and the actions that reflect what's in your heart. Amen? All right, stand with me. I want to pray for you this morning. Praise God. If you, um, if you have not had a chance to grab your communion emblems and you'd like to partake of communion with us, you can uh, do that also uh, now. But Father, you honor those who honor you. That's an eternal statement of truth, Lord. And we want to be men and women who honor you. Help us understand what that looks like in our own individual lives. Father, the various situations that we're dealing with and facing right now in our lives, Father, what, what it would look like for us to honor you in these situations. 
Lord, maybe it's to hang in there and follow through when our flesh is wanting to quit. Maybe, maybe it's, it's not some financial gift or offering, Lord, but it's some other uh, tangible expression um, of our commitment to you and to the people that you love and have called us to serve. Lord, there's, there's so many different ways that, that we can express the feelings that we have for you uh, in form of actions from a heart, Lord, that honors you. And I thank you for teaching us these very, very important lessons. Lord, we can increase in honor from you by increasing in honor that we give to you. And so teach us what it means, Lord, because a true worshiper is one who honors you. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to take your, uh, your emblems this morning and... Um, you pull the little top clear cellophane off and that uncovers the, uh, the weight.